everyone. Welcome to our webinar, Diversity in Tech, Stories and Insights from Women in the Industry. Today, we will be hearing from women who have made significant contributions to the tech industry and have valuable insights to share. Our speakers will be sharing their successes, experiences, and challenges in the tech industry and how they have navigated their successes as women. And we'll probably have some other stuff that'll be great. I am joined today by Amy Babinchek and Don Sizer. And let me go ahead and bring them up. Here we are, ladies. Welcome to the show. How are we doing today? Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Doing great. Thanks, Marvin. All right. So to get started, let's go ahead and allow you guys to introduce introduce yourselves a little bit more. Uh, some of our listeners and viewers may know you from being in the industry for quite some time. So, Don, why don't we start from you? Uh, tell us about yourself, your company, and all the good things in life. There's, there's nothing good here. There's nothing good here. Uh, so, hi, I'm Don. I run uh, Third Element. We are in South Central Pennsylvania. So, for those of you that do know us, you know that we're one of the top 250 small MSPs in the nation right now, which is kind of an amazing sort of thing. We've been around since 2005, so this is not our first rodeo as far as MSPs are concerned. We're 15 people strong right now and still growing. Nice. And Amy, tell us about you and your company. Um, well, I have uh, an MSP here in Michigan that is 23 years old tomorrow, and um, we have seven people in the company. Um, we, uh, I don't know, we, you know, we serve we serve small business. Uh, I do a lot of other things in the industry too. I own a company called Third Tier, another one called Sell My MSP. I'm a Microsoft MVP in Microsoft 365. I'm also president of the National Society of IT Service Providers. So I do all kinds of things in, in the IT community. All right. So basically, you are not only blazing the trail for us, but you are one of our biggest advocates. I try to be, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let me uh, tell you guys a little bit. Uh, when I was doing some background checking and research, I found out that March is Women's History Month, and that March 8th in particular is the day that is celebrated, and it's a time to celebrate the con contributions of women throughout history and recognize their achievements in various fields. Uh, women in Tech has kind of adopted the same day, uh, March 8th, as their day, but I have a question for both of you before we get too far along. Do either of you know the name Ada Lovelace. You do. I do. Yep. Oh. All right. Well, let me put this sheet of paper off to the side. because I thought I had found something that was going to be a, a nugget and uh, for, for our viewers. And well, not everybody else does. You should tell everybody. Who yeah, I know. Because that's important. She's very important in the world of tech and yep. women, quite frankly. All right. Well, why don't we do that? I will just give a little bit of blurb of what I found. Uh, Ada Lovelace, born... Augusta Ada Byron was an English mathematician who lived from December 10th, 1815 to November 27th, 1852. She was the only legitimate child of the famous poet Lord George Gordon Byron and is known for her work 
with Charles Babbage on his prototype of a digital computer for which she created a program. Loveless is considered the world's first computer programmer for writing an algorithm for the early computing machine built by Charles Babbage in 1821. That sound about right? Yes. (laughs) Okay. So obviously as a male, that probably would not have popped up on my radar or my history lessons. So when did you first hear about uh, Miss Ada Lovelace? You know, I think I started hearing about her is, you know, when I learned in school about Charles, Charles Babbage, I think she's probably one of the, the most famous women in, you know, in computing from the very, very early days. And, but she led the path to, uh, to the women that they used to call computers because they did the computing. And that's, that we actually get the term computer from women. So that's kind of super amazing. And, um, you know, my, my favorite story is that NASA continued to use women to do the mathematical calculations to get back and forth from the moon, even after they have computers, because they trusted the ladies to do the math more than they trusted the device. Now, did you know that piece of fact before they came out with the movie Hidden Figures? I knew like, you know, a fraction of it. And then I went to see that. That was that movie was so uplifting. I felt so inspired when I left the theater from that movie. And it was fantastic. All right. And Don, what are your memories? I mean, I, I think we first started learning about it in college. Um, so the first couple programming classes that I took they went into detail about who Lovelace was and a couple of the other folks too. I mean, you learned about some Wi-Fi and you learned about some world war two things and, you know, those just timeline sort of, sort of things. But I think, and again, what Amy said, going back to the hidden figures and understanding how women were used and not in a, in a central, but not central manner is kind of strange when you think about it. We've been relegated, especially in that time period in the the 60s, still relegated to secretarial duties. And to have women be literally doing the work of men and more than what some of the men could do and not being acknowledged for it. I don't care if they were women, black, it doesn't really matter. The fact that they just simply weren't acknowledged and literally were hidden figures is a travesty. Yep. And this kind of will lead into the way that I've kind of developed my process for these uh, panels, uh, talking about diversity, where we were and where we are now. And then, of course, obviously, what can we do going forward? So let me go back and ask you guys a question. You both are women business owners in tech. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's a rarity, but obviously it's not the majority. But even before that, what was it that inspired you both to not only get started in tech, but to start your own business? Who wants to go first? Amy, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, boy, in the, in the early days, I was introduced to computers in high school. And I was also introduced to the idea that girls shouldn't, really participate right it happened at the same time and fortunately it didn't it wasn't discouraged by it but 
So we were allowed to take a computer programming class instead of uh, for math credits, basically. And I thought, well, that sounds way more interesting than trig. So let's learn about computers. And, and it was awesome. And I loved it. And then with, they got a new computer, the Atari color computer for programming. And uh, I was literally told it was just for the boys. And so that was my first exposure to girls and women aren't supposed to do certain things with computers. And, uh, but I just persisted and I went through and started, uh, started into university in computer science, changed my mind partway through, but then eventually came back to it later as a, as a career. Okay. That's interesting. So two points, one, you thought trigonometry was interesting. No, I didn't think it was interesting. I thought the computer learning how computer programming would be more interesting than trig. Okay, right. <laughs> we had the choice between the two of which to take. Yep. Because uh, I, I didn't. Well, not that I had that choice, but I remember taking trig in high school, and people were like, you know, because I was also into sports, and the fellow football players were like, dude, what are you doing? Anyway, um, all right. So that, and then uh, Don. What uh, inspired you? I didn't have the option to not take trig. So I still had to take trig, unfortunately. Um, Got into college and I actually went for naval architectural engineering. So I was heavily into the sciences, some of the math, and also changed majors halfway through to computer science because everything was continually broken at Penn State where I went to school. So I had to learn how to fix plotters and printers and computers and all kinds of stuff just to make sure that I get my homework turned in on time because apparently having the equipment broken on campus was not a good enough excuse. So couldn't do that. The the computer ate my homework. Maybe that's not a thing anymore. I don't know. So that's that's how it got started in college. And then going to work for somebody else. I did that for a while. And then the last company that I worked for my boss told me that if I really wanted to get any further ahead, I could do it from my knees. And I said, no, that's, I'm going to quit. Actually, I rage quit um, and um, started company the next day. And I uh, actually did physical security for a little while there as a subsidiary of a uh, physical security company. So we did some of the IT work for them, that kind of thing. They also told me that I wouldn't last six months out on my own. That was in 2005. So I, I think I think I managed okay. Yep, you did. And we've shared that story uh, for those of you that uh, want to go back. I think uh, I forget the number of the episode, but if you look up uh, the IT Business Podcast with the title, I Quit, Now What? Yeah. Uh, when we talked about uh, Don on there. And Amy, you've been, um, what inspired you to actually start your business, not just get involved in tech? Um, well, first, let me say that um, I also rage quit a job once oh. for s- similar but not exactly the same reasons. I was actually told that I wasn't dressing properly for the job, that I needed to wear a dress and that I would be more successful if I wore dresses to work and was offered for from, from my manager to actually take me out shopping for dresses. Oh. So, yeah, there is, there, and that would have been in the late 90s. 
So there is there is serious problems with the place in this field. Um, I hope a lot of those things are gone, but unfortunately, you do still hear stories like this over and over again. Um, so what inspired me to start my own business? I actually had several awesome bosses after that. So, um, uh, but what inspired me really was burnout, right? I had worked myself up to a point where I was a system engineer flying all over the country. Three weeks out of the month, I was away from home. I was dropping into places where the project was broken, having to meet with the client, having to resurrect the project, solve the problem, get it done, fly on to the next place around the country and just do that over and over and over again. And um, I didn't like spending that much time away from home. I didn't, you know, it was very stressful type job, you know, of doing that. It turns out to be awesome experience for starting your own company, though, because uh, you know, I, first thing I had to do was meet with the meet with the uh, the people in in charge, and you know, the owners of companies, the superintendents of school districts, the boards of school districts, all kinds of things. Um, you know, and I was in my early twenties, and so you know, you learn not to be intimidated. But I will tell you another a discriminatory story of that is I would show it up then to the IT department to help them right, resurrect and resolve these problems. And the first thing they would do is sit me down at a table and basically give me a quiz. What's DNS? What's an IP address? What's, you know, because they couldn't believe a woman had been sent out to help solve their problems. So they wanted to quiz me to see if I was qualified before they would let me start to help them. Right. And they were the ones with the problem. And so um, so that was that was my that was another another experience that I had that was something different. I don't think that would ever happen to a man that they would show up as an expert to a situation being delivered by an outside company and then have to sit down at a table and prove to the IT department that couldn't solve the problem that they were actually going to be qualified to do it. So <clears throat> anyway, then uh, what happened is I ended up getting um, some small business clients on the side just accidentally, right? I'd be at these places and they would say, oh, you know, oh, my brother has a business and he's having a problem. Do you think you could help him out? And, you know, so these little referrals started happening and I would always say, yeah, sure. I'll just, you know, stop in and see what I can do. Um, and pretty soon I had just a little group of clients and one day my tolerance for flying all over the country came to <laughs> came to its came to its natural end and I said I I can't do this anymore it's too stressful I'm I'm out and those clients became the first group for my new MS, MSP nice so all three of us it seems like we have I'm not going to call mine a rage quit because I actually took a little time to think about it it wasn't out of in exasperation, but it was out of the idea that my boss told me that I wouldn't make it and I wouldn't survive and that, you know, I would just be, you know, a support person and stuff like that. So needless to say that that business owner came back to me a few years after I started and wanted to know if, you know, we would merge businesses. <laughs> I said, uh, no, I'm good. Um, but it was uh, interesting uh, some of the comments that you said, Amy. So I have experienced situations where I have been out on a job site 
and taken a technician with me. And if that technician is taller and whiter than me, the customer, when they go to ask questions about what's going to be done and all of that stuff, they would address it to the other person without fail, without anything. And when they were told, well, that's the boss over there. And they looked at me, they'd be like, oh, no, it's not. Yeah, I've had that situation. I've even had that happen in job interviews where we're interviewing for new techs. And, um, you know, I always have one or two of the other techs in the room with me just, you know, to do these interviews and have had had male techs talk only to one of to one of the techs in the room and just not talk to me. And one of the one guy, we laughed so hard because the one guy even said during the interview to to my my male tech that he has some difficulty sometimes working with women. You know how that can be. Like he was, you know, doing a bro moment with the guy in the room. And my my tech didn't know what to say. Right. It was just like like the room just fell silent. It was like, okay. I think this interview is done, right? <laughs> yeah. So we all have these these situations that have happened, but let me ask now just in general, all of us have been around for a while and just in broad strokes, what has been the differences that you have seen over the years from when you got started till now? I have to believe that there are a lot of good things that have happened, but in general, you know, broad strokes, what, what do you think has been um, the difference, you know, looking back till now? I think there's a lot less of what Amy was talking about with the, I have trouble working with women attitude. There are still, there's still plenty of it out there. Don't get me wrong. I think it's not vocalized the way that it used to be. I also think that COVID did a number on some people's social skills and some of some of those issues seem to have come back around a little bit over the last couple of years. So they've kind of reared their ugly head and now they're fading back into the woodwork a little bit. So long story short, I think we've come full circle in a very short period of time just because of social skills. Um, were lacking during that period of time. But I think some of it too is just in general, the assumption happens a lot of times that just because you're an owner and you're a female, people look at you and go, oh, you're in sales and marketing. I'm like, yeah, I kind of wear all the hats. So technically, I guess that's the case. But I mean, it's literally become a, a, a joke. Uh, like all the LinkedIn emails and things that I get, Oh, I see you're in sales and marketing. And I shoot them over to one of my vendor friends and we, we laugh ha 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 about the entire thing. And then I block that person and they never contact me again. But it's, it's one of those things where you can't make an assumption. I don't care who you're looking at, what the situation is, never make an assumption about who or what someone is or isn't because you don't know, don't make the assumption. And I think that's still a prevalent part of society as a whole. And I wish it wasn't. Yeah, I think that um, women in IT are more visible, but you're right. They're more visible in sales and marketing roles than they are in technical roles. Um, When I started, I was told that 3% of technical people in technical are female. And I think it's actually fallen to 1% now. 
So I think the opportunity is there. I think there maybe is a little less surprise to see women in that role just because of, you know, society's changed a little bit. But women are definitely not going into into technical roles. That doesn't mean you can't find them. And we do. Um, And there, you know, there's tricks to, you know, things you can do in your job advertising to sort of attract them to your business. Um, But, you know, I don't know if all the emphasis now on STEM education, maybe we'll change that someday. I think there hasn't been going long enough for us to see it yet, but hopefully it's coming. I, I hope that it is. I think some of it too, though, is that we as women, because there are so few of us, there are so few of us to be mentors to other women. And I think that's a problem, you know, across the board. And that's people of color too, quite frankly. There's so few of them that it's hard to get good mentors, good peers, that kind of thing across the board. So when you do have some folks that you could elevate, it's, it's hard to do it just because we don't have the people to do it. I will, you know, echo what you said, including the people of color just recently. And I'll be quite honest. This happened literally just last week in looking at some of the things I was looking to hire at tech. I was looking to do some more research and diversity. And I thought, you know what? I'm a black man who's probably not diverse enough in my own community. So I reached out and looked on the meetup app for black tech communities. And you know what? There weren't a lot. And when I mean a lot, there were maybe two. And when I reached out to them, they were kind of not active, not doing much. And when I talked to the one person, they were like, you know, it's just hard to keep people interested and to find people who want to lead. And a new one just popped up that I attended uh, literally this past Monday night that just started up a young black woman who was looking to find some resources in tech. So she started her own and about 14 of us showed up on a Zoom call and we were all quite shocked because my, my first thing is I didn't realize there were this many blacks in tech in Broward County, Fort Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So um, exposure is, is something that I need, think needs to be done a lot more of. So on those lines in terms of you know, women in tech, I know that there are groups that exist. There's, you know, I don't know if they're called women in tech specifically. I know there's the Girls Who Code and some other groups like that. Uh, are you guys finding that those are are helping in terms of exposure or are they just kind of you get in it and you hang out and that's it or, or what's being done, I guess is a better question. I think it depends on the group. So there are the, the ladies who lunch kind of groups and you do find those. And again, I don't want to pigeonhole people, but I think you do find that more of the sales and marketing folks, you'll find them more there than, than business owners and, and technical folks. And it's not that we don't want to be social. That's not, that's not the scenario. It's that I think we have trouble relating in some cases and whether it's from the leadership roles, whether it's from the technical roles, I think there's just a slight disconnect um, there in places. So I think it's more a matter of like, and, and this sounds so contrite, but find your tribe, right? Everybody has some people that they resonate with. I don't care if it's, you know, women, men, 
people that are different than you are, whatever that is, but find those people that are like-minded to you and go from there. I mean, I, I wish I had this phenomenal group of girlfriends and we all hung out and we were all technical and it was all cool to like go nerd out with those folks. But that's not realistic, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, ladies, if you're out there and you want to nerd out, give me a call. It's totally cool. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I'll be more than happy to do that. But there's, again, there's so few of us and the ones that we do know that are part of our tribe. Um, and if Sandra's watching, I know she's part of mine and I know we have wine every now and then and we hang out for an evening and we do nerd out a little bit. And it's it's fantastic to be able to do that. But again, there just aren't that many of us. Yeah, I usually just find a home in the existing groups that are out there and not specific to women um, because there's so many more in the in the marketing roles, um, they tend to dominate those groups, which is fine. You know, they should have their people. But as a technical person, my people are just, you know, in the in tech generalist groups. So that tends to be where, where I hang out. You know, I just try to, you know, blend in and be another person in the group. All right. Let me ask a question that it may sound a little self-serving, but I'm going to ask it and I'm going to ask it in a way that I hope everybody understands why I'm asking this. But is there a better role that men can find in supporting women in the industry? You know, I think the best thing that men can do is acknowledge that the problem exists. Right. I hear so much that I would hire, we, you know, we had a really great woman engineer. Oh my God, if I could hire more of them, I would, but they never apply to my jobs. Well, then that's a problem. You need to make the ad more attractive so that women will apply to your jobs, right? Because they're out there, there's something wrong and you need to acknowledge that the something wrong is probably you. And, um, you know, I I actually at one point looked around my company and went, oh, my God, you know, I own this company and it's all men. What is something is wrong. Right. And so we actually set about to learn how to make our ads more attractive to women, how to interview women and how to um, read their resumes, because we know, you know, that whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing the, um, uh, you know, not women don't assert themselves as much. They won't put things on their resume that they're not a hundred percent certain of, whereas a man will put something that he's 30% certain of. Uh, so that means the resumes are different and we, we were reading them the same. And so we had to teach ourselves how to read resumes from women at, that. I, I wish women didn't write their resumes differently from men, but they do. So we had to learn how to read them. And as soon as we, and we had to learn how to interview them, we taught ourselves. And as soon as we did that, the company like flipped to half and so often more than half. Can I ask a question about how, how is it that resumes are written differently? Is it just simply wording or phrases or? No, it's what they consider to be their skill set, right? Okay. If you, if you ask a man something about a particular skill set, if he's 30% sure that he can do that thing, he'll put that on the resume. 
a woman will not put it there unless she is very close to 100% certain that she knows everything there is to know about that thing. Which means there's like this 70% gap of what you're going to see on the resumes. And so you, you can't look at a woman's resume and see exactly what her skill set is. So what, how we taught ourselves is we said, okay, for this round of hiring, we're just going to interview every woman that applies, regardless of whether we think that, that she is qualified or not, right? Just so that we can talk to more women. And when we did, that's when it dawned on us that these resumes are not being written as we thought they should be written, right? We were discounting things based on what we saw. We were giving men more credit for what was on their resume. We were giving women less credit, you know, for what was on their resume, right? On resumes, a lot of times, you know, we're, we're taught, I think, how to read men's resumes. We would say, oh, that's bluff and bluster. And, you know, there's probably we can, yeah, I bet he didn't save a million dollars. He probably, you know, did okay on that job. Or maybe he's not as deep in exchange as it says here. We'll ferret that out in the interview. But to take that same thing to the women's resume, who's only putting things she's 100% on, and then we start you know, marking it up and crossing things off that we think are maybe a little overly exaggerated. Now we've got nothing left on the women's resume. And so, and so there was this bad disconnect in how we were reading them. So putting that in direct context, um, I actually put together a speaker profile for myself the other day. And I started listing out the things that I thought I could confidently hold a conversation and speak on in front of an audience. And I put this out to a couple of friends to kind of vet this out because I wasn't sure. I wasn't 100% sure if that was reality. They all agreed, absolutely, I could do that. And here are a whole bunch more things that they thought I was also completely accomplished at speaking at that I never would have thought to put on there. So when Amy is saying this is a reality and this is how women write things. It is absolutely true up to the C level. Like it doesn't stop at a tech. It goes the whole way through the, the C level. That is how we write resumes. And looking at how you're writing your ads too, especially if you want to attract women, a shift in your language does a world of good. And even from talking about, a lot of people say that they are, um, an equal opportunity employer, right? Which is great. We're going to give everybody the same opportunities in our in our company, which is fantastic, except that it's not. So for those of you that know me, you know that I am not the tallest person on the planet, right? So if I gave everybody the same box to stand on so that we could all reach the top shelf, I would be the only one that's probably still not able to reach the top shelf, but everybody else would be okay. So is that, that's equal, but it's not equitable. So in order for you to start attracting other people, you need to think about how to make your company equitable so that everybody has a level playing field, but that playing field is going to be different for every single person. And I know it's not the easiest thing to do, but when you're thinking about women, right, we have children, we have other things going on in our lives. Our time off schedule might be a little bit different, but we might work earlier and we might come in and be able to stay a little bit later at some times, but we may need some extra days off. That's equity, right? Because we're still putting in the same work, 
We're still putting in the same hours. They're just different. So think about equity in terms of hiring women and letting them know that you are an equitable employer and not just an equal employer. All right. This is going to take a turn because I'm going to ditch some of the other questions I have because I'm going to ask about the whole idea of writing an ad that is inclusive and reading resumes. And I'll I'll preface this by I had an interview yesterday. Like I said, I'm I'm hiring a tech and the tech had listed all of these things that they supposedly had done. And as I'm going through the list, I'm mentioning this, I'm mentioning this, and I get to this, and it was an acronym that I said the acronym, and he literally looked at me and said, what's that? I said, it's, it's on your resume. It says you did this. And he goes, oh, I don't know. And it was like, no big deal. So that that still exists where I think that there is this padding of resumes. And I was talking to somebody, and the idea came up that, you know, men are hired on potential, women are hired on experience. And kind of goes to what Amy was saying about the 30%. But I want to go back to this idea of writing ads because I do remember the last time I went through and hired texts, I did get a few female resumes and I actually hired a female that lasted for me uh, about a year. This time around though, so far no female resumes. Now, Don, can you talk a little bit when you talk about writing resumes that will show equal opportunity or things like that? Is there something specific in the way that you're writing it or are you excluding some words that might uh, imply that? So we'll excuse the word, exclude the word equal and we'll use equit, equitable instead. Um, but other things that we'll do, um, obviously, and I'm sure Amy does this too, we're a woman owned and led business, right? So we come right out and say that. So I think it also gives other women, oh, people like me, right? Because you always want to find your tribe. So, and if that is something that you're looking for as a woman, absolutely, that's going to draw somebody in. Now, again, we're kind of the unicorns here in this situation. So not everybody can be a woman owned and led corporation or or whatever the situation is, but you can say that we do um, look for and foster equity. We look for and foster culture. If you lead with emotion and empathy, depending on how you write that. So make sure that there's some type of empathy, a little bit of emotion in your ad that will draw more women in. Yeah, so we changed our ads from the the typical, um, you know, the typical ad will have something like, uh, you know, basically listing off the technologies that we're looking for. And, you know, you, you need to know this, you need to know that, you need to know, right? You see most resume, most job ads are, are like that. Um, we ended up taking taking most of that out of our ad. And focusing instead on uh, describing the what it's like to work here, what the company is like, what the culture is like, um, you know, what the job is going to be like. And then, you know, at the bottom, we'll say, you know, you should know about Microsoft 365. You should know about, you know, virtual servers, da, 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 da. But we put that at the bottom of it. So there's a big description that is about 
what it's going to be like to work here, right? Of course, there's a job title on that on that job ad, so that will cause anybody to click on it. But then they read the ad, and it's like, oh, here's what it's like to be a network technician at this company. And oh, by the way, here's the skills. Please submit your resume. Interesting. You saw me writing notes down, right? <laughs> um, now, do either of you take specific steps beyond what we've talked about now to promote the diversity and inclusion? I know, I know, Amy, you said, you know, you looked around and saw that you, you know, as a woman-owned business, you know, hired only men. Um, but are there things specifically besides those types of little changes and stuff that you're doing to seek out the people like you? Um, yeah, I found that we didn't actually have to make any changes. Once we just made our ad less a bulleted list of the stuff you need to know and more about the corporate culture that the quality of our hires just went way up and women were attracted and minorities were attracted and it just changed the whole scope of who we were, who, who was applying for our jobs. Nice. Don? And ours, ours has our core focus in so that everybody sees what our core focus is because that's what we hire for. And I know Marvin and I have had that conversation before. So those are things that are in there. The culture is in there. That sort of thing is in there. One of the only other things that we do, and again, we have the opportunity to do this, is if we have a job fair, we're able to send women to go to the job fair so that they are seeing you know, our CEO, our ops director. We do have a knock engineer, all women, right? So we have the ability to send people of color, women, that kind of thing to a job fair and be able to represent that we are a diverse company. Not everybody has that opportunity, but if you do in any way, shape or form, even if you have to beg, borrow and steal somebody, send them. At least that way you have the ability to look different to different people. All right. Let me, let me then ask this question. Uh, This came up in my video chat that I had with, you know, all the blacks on Monday night (laughs) and they were uh, talking about how they could, you know, provide advice to those looking to get into the industry. So as women, uh, is there any advice that you would give if you were to meet somebody who was, you know, young and, you know, either in college or just out of college and looking to get into tech, do you have any advice that you might give I mean, don't get discouraged is a big one. The field, no matter whether, I don't care who you are, the field isn't easy. You know, you're still going to have to work at it. You're still going to have to learn day in and day out. So don't get discouraged that that's a thing. And the next thing is find a mentor. I'm big into mentoring. If you can find a mentor that you can look up to, that you can learn from, that they will learn from you as well, that is huge. Once you have that established, you'll start establishing a peer network male, female, black, white, yellow, whatever, Um, you know, your people, you're going to find a network of your people who will help build you up and elevate you. So go at it from that respect. I think if you can make that happen, you'll get further faster and don't be afraid, you know, make your goals, make your rocks, whatever you want to call them and bite it off one tiny little piece at a time. If you want to hit sea level, 
then work your way up there. But don't take somebody else's negative opinion or whatever their opinion is and let them apply it to you. That's silly. Like apply your own opinion and make sure that you're the one who's working for you and not letting somebody else color what you think of yourself. So when I was coming up, I actually was probably a strange person to interview because I did as much interviewing of them as they did of me. I always had a lot of questions about the job and but more about the person I was going to be working for, right? I wanted to make sure that the person I was going to be working for was going to be someone I liked and respected and was going to, you know, felt like I could learn from. Um, So I interviewed to find a great boss and I found some great bosses and that really helped propel my career. The other thing I would say, and I just started re-giving this advice, (laughs) I think if you're up and coming, you should go out and get certifications. You know, there was, it's kind of come full circle, right? When I started in this industry, you could not get a job without certification. And then they kind of fell off and I were coming back around to where I think if you don't have certifications, you will have difficulty getting hired anywhere. Yep, that is true. And uh, it's it's odd uh, dealing with that because I've got some people that in responding to my ad literally are just providing, I'm interested, you don't need my resume. Just interview me. Like, sorry, that's not how it works. So it should be good. All right. Well, I think that uh, that's it. I told you I was going to abandon my questions. We went off on the on the job uh, resumes and doing of ads. Uh, is there anything that you may have had that you wanted me to highlight or make sure that our viewers and listeners hear from you on your views on diversity and equity? I'm still kind of chuckling internally that you thought a script was going to go anywhere close to normal with me being around. (laughs) I got pages of stuff. Um, No, I mean, you did good as far as like, there's not, I wish that there were more concrete things that we could talk about in any given time. But the reality of the situation is it's different for every single person and how how you view it and what your perception of diversity is, is going to be different for everybody. And how I experience it is different from how Amy experiences it is different from how you experience it. So everything is colored by our own experiences and the people that have put those experiences on us. So again, I come back to that. Don't let somebody else color your world with their opinion or perception. Make your own way and be sure that you're true to yourself. You know, one of the greatest pieces of advice that I got um, when I um, I first became a, a Microsoft MVP and I started right before that, I started to get noticed around the community and um and there would be some guys that were like their whole existence was just to poke at you. Right. And I would get frustrated. And another woman in the group said, you need to grow some duck feathers and just let it roll off. Right. <laughs> and so I have like kept that in my head all the time now. Like if something is frustrating me or I think somebody's being a, being a jerk or is, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, 
poke at me just to poke. I will slam them back with the most hardest tech I have. And then whatever their response is, I just let it roll off. Right. <laughs> so don't, don't let, don't let anybody get you down. Just keep persisting through because you're awesome. You need that confidence in your head to say, I, I am awesome and you can't hurt me. Whatever's going on, it's just going to roll off. And I, I'm on a mission to be the best in my life that I can be, reach my own goals. Sorry, it's a plane going over. I'm by the airport. So, Well, I want to thank you both for coming on and sharing with us today. And this was my hope when I started this, that we would have the ability to come on and have conversations. Uh, I hope that people that have watched and listened to this realize that we're not here to just simply bitch and moan about what's going on. But we're looking for some candid, open and honest conversations and trying to really figure out what we can do to go forward. So I hope that uh, Don and Amy's experiences today have shed some light on diversity and inclusion in our industry. And as we move forward, I hope that we all will empower ourselves and others to create a more diverse and innovative tech community. Again, I want to thank Amy and Don for coming on. I want to thank those of you that watched. And if you're listening by audio later, thank you very much. And we'll look forward to seeing you guys again at the next one. That's going to do it. So until next time, holla.